Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Dugout Download, a podcast about the Astros with Houston Chronicle Astros beat reporter Matt Kawahara. I'm Steve Schaefer of the Chronicle, and Matt, it's funny how things can change or get even more dramatic over the course of a week, because an interesting week for the Astros, who lost two of three at Kansas City, lost two of three to the Orioles, but thanks to a dramatic victory on Wednesday, still stayed in what would be, when we have that scenario, if the if the playoffs started today, which of course they don't, but had they lost yesterday, suddenly they're the odd team out. Um, amazing how every game is magnified at this stage in the season. Yeah, that was a big win uh, for the just the series finale against the Orioles, not only to to avoid being swept, but I think, as you, as you said, I mean, if they lose that game, they drop out of the AL playoff picture altogether, and they spend this this Thursday off day out of the, out of the picture. Instead, they have a half game lead still over the Mariners and the Rangers uh, going into Friday. All three teams are off Thursday, so the the uh, the Mariners and the Rangers start a three game series against each other on Friday. Uh, the Astros have the Royals coming in for another series um, at home. Uh, obviously, the Royals took two out of three against them, as you said, in Kansas City. Played them really tough for a team that's you know over 100 losses at this point. But again, this looks like it should be an opportunity for the Astros to, if they can take care of business, as they have said basically throughout the entire month, if, if they can win these games and and do what they're, you know, in so many words, supposed to in this series, they, they do have a chance to position themselves well going into a, a really big series in Seattle. And right now, it looks like, because a lot of teams have, uh, I say a lot of them, the ones they're fighting with have missed opportunities. I mean, again, just a week ago, the Rangers had swept the Blue Jays, but then they get swept by Cleveland, lose a game to Boston, finally get a couple of wins. Here the Blue Jays are thinking, oh my gosh, they've been swept by the Rangers. Well, they haven't lost since. Now we're taping on Thursday. They were playing the Yankees and Garrett Cole on Thursday night. Uh, And then Seattle gets swept by the Dodgers and gets healthy against the A's. It's just Day by day and series by series, things can change drastically. And just looking at the way the schedule shapes up going forward, the Astros mentioned the three with Kansas City, then they go to Seattle, then they got to go to Arizona, which is fighting for a wild card spot in its own right in the National League and has been very hot lately. Seattle has seven with the Rangers total, three with the Astros. So the team that really controls its fate probably best is Seattle. They're playing the two teams they're going against. The Rangers have these seven with Seattle. They're going to have a series with the Angels in between. And I guess we have to look at Toronto a little bit, too, which has crept in there. Going into Thursday's action against the Yankees, Toronto actually was a half game up on the Astros, so we're thinking wild card race. But they've got to play six against Tampa Bay, which is fighting Baltimore for the American League East title, raised two and a half behind going into Thursday's action. So I guess my question is, what what is the best scenario? What should the Astros be rooting for, particularly in that Seattle-Texas series? Yeah, well, I mean, the clearest the the clearest path for them is is obviously to to win the division, and I think you know that's that's their goal. Um, the fact I think they look at the fact that Texas and Seattle play each other seven to ten times to end the season as a plus for them because, uh, but you know, know, to go back to to your question, how, how what what is the best case scenario for them? Yeah, you know, with the way that these these games might shake out. So, if Texas or Seattle, one of the other. Um, is you know is dominant in these seven to ten games and runs away with maybe six or seven wins, um, it it would essentially probably knock the losing team either out of contention or at least you know put them in a really tough spot and that would probably increase the Astros' chances of just making the playoffs. But 
On the other hand, the, the winning team there would probably position itself well uh, for, you know, to either seize or contend for the division title. So if the Astros end goal is to win the division, arguably a better case scenario for them is for the, the Rangers and the Mariners to sort of split or, you know, go one of them go four and three. Basically, so they both were to stay stagnant over the course of those seven games. And that, but in that scenario, the Astros would have to win at a pretty high clip uh, to position themselves so to where they're gaining ground on both teams um, just just by winning. I mean, it comes down to the Astros if if they win, you know, if they if they're able to make a, a late season push here over these last nine games. I mean, they they are in a good position to to basically to win the division. Um, but they do have those three games against Seattle in Seattle and the Mariners have pitched them really tough, especially um, where, you know, th- those games are going to um, matter a lot. And it's probably one reason why the Astros kind of have uh, positioned their starting rotation in the way that they have going into that series. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit because the Astros did a little bit of shuffling really in advance of this Kansas city series to kind of maximize what they can do next week. Yeah, so they flipped. Um, they're going to have Framber Valdez start the opener against Kansas City, uh, followed by JP France and Hunter Brown. So, what they, they essentially they flipped uh, Framber and France so that um, that will allow Valdez to come back on regular rest to start the finale in Seattle. Where you know if he had pitched the second game against Kansas City, if he were to pitch in Seattle, it would have had to have been on, on short rest. Um, they also are going to be flip-flopping Hunter Brown and Justin Verlander, which is, is, is essentially moving Hunter Brown up a day to start the finale against Kansas City and having uh, pushing Verlander back a day to start the opener against Seattle. So, so it looks like, even though they haven't you know, officially announced their rotation for, for the Mariners series, they have it lined up so that they can go Verlander, Javier, Valdez in those three games in Seattle, uh, which is you know arguably their Pretty, pretty much just their strongest three, uh, especially if Javier can build on or replicate or even you know come close to, to the form that he showed Wednesday against the Orioles, which was really a big outing for him. Yeah, and then it sets up Verlander to be available in the Diamondback series. You need him Saturday or Sunday, depending on what you want to do. It, it is it's fascinating because your your primary goal is to get in the playoffs, but you want to win the division. And as you said, they, they do control their destiny. They're the team in the lead right now, but you don't want to be relying on other teams to lose. But uh, so the Astros really, I know Bregman said it the other day. I mean, they just got to take care of, of their business. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Royals last week, uh, just a couple of, with, this is the last series uh, at home for the Astros this year, these three games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the Royals, at least last weekend, and they're also coming off a sweep of the Guardians. They've won five of their last six, seven of their last 10 it's kind of like you can't really take them for granted, and they've got to face Cole Reagans again on Friday. Yeah, Reagans is, is tough as, as they saw in Kansas City. I mean, and they have had their struggles uh, at home against, I mean, at home offensively overall, but, you know, there's this question of how much, because they made that change. So before this, this last home series, they made that um, quote unquote adjustment to their batter's eye uh, in center field, where they kind of extended. The green paint uh, to the right of the batter's eye, they covered up what was what used to be some uh, some sort of red. Um, it's I forget what the tech, the actual name of it, but it was basically the Budweiser ads out there um, in center field. So half of that is now painted green, which makes it better blend into that um, that sort of big center field leafy ivy wall out there. And even though I, it, it wasn't explicitly stated, but you know the fact that it was that side of it um, would indicate that. 
it was, it was a reaction to some struggles, maybe seeing left-handed pitching. Um, and it's, it's interesting because you look at kind of the splits, the way the numbers break down this year, they've hit left-handed pitching overall and at home better than they've hit right-handed pitching. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure how much of an effect it has had. And they only faced the one left-hander in the Orioles series, John Means, who, you know, he wasn't, he didn't pitch poorly against him. Um, and so now Reagan's is going to be a tough test, obviously, just, just because he, you know, he really pitched well against them in Kansas city. He's coming from the left side at throwing 98, 99 miles an hour, um, with, uh, with good off speed stuff. And yeah, I mean, the, the Royals, they have some exciting, like young players. Bobby Witt was a real, real impactful in that series in, uh, in Kansas city. So as you said, I mean, it's not a team that they can take lightly, just overall, but especially coming off that series that they lost uh, two or three there. So, um, and I think, you know, it's figuring out, I don't know what there is to figure out necessarily about the way that they played at home, but just maybe finishing the regular season with a, a series win um, at home would be important for them, given that, you know, there's supposed to be home field advantage in the playoffs, but so far this year, home field has not been much of an advantage for them. So if they can finish the regular season uh, home schedule, at least with a series win, or at least playing well in the series, then, then maybe that, you know, gives a little bit of a mental boost going into the postseason. Yeah, this series will actually determine whether they have a winning record at home or not this year because they're 39 and 39 going in. So they're either going to be, you know, they can take to a 340-140 thing, sweep 42 and 39. One other guy for the Royals to watch out for that um, was a little bit beneath my radar before last week's series, Nelson Velasquez, who was acquired from the Cubs in a trade deadline deal, has hit 12 home runs in his first 31 games in which he's had an at-bat for the Royals. That's a club record. Uh, Ryan O'Hearney at 10 in his first 31 games in the bat. So talk about a guy who's come out of nowhere. So just someone uh, for folks to look out for um, this weekend, perhaps the Astros to be careful in regard to pitching. I wanted to ask you about the catching situation with the Astros because I was looking at some numbers and um, there's a lot of discussion in fan forums and such about Martin Maldonado versus Yiner Diaz, who should be playing. And it's interesting that as we go into this last homestand of the year, their number of at-bats are separated by one. Diaz actually has one more at-bat for the year, 342. Maldonado has 341. And that's because Diaz has had a lot of time at DH. And it seems like right now, Dusty is, as we get toward this stretch run of the season, probably the playoffs, is going to do what he can to keep Diaz's bat in the lineup. But like comparing some of these numbers, so roughly same number of at-bats. Maldonado's slash line, 191, 260, 346, 606 OPS. Diaz, 287, 311, 553, 864. Maldonado, 14 home runs, 34 RBIs. Diaz, 23 home runs, 59 RBIs. Maldonado, 11 doubles. Diaz, twice as many. It's just interesting to me that Diaz obviously has the better bat. Dusty seems to be wanting to, he, he praises Maldonado's um, work with the pitchers, his preparation. But we were talking last week, and you told me that even defensively, Diaz's numbers kind of are better than Maldonado's. I mean, it, there, there have been some, I mean, there are some metrics that uh, that show maybe pitch framing wise. And, and uh, when you look at some of the stolen base numbers, um, you know, it hasn't been Maldonado's like strongest defensive season from that standpoint. Um, but I think a lot of the, uh, the base running, base stealing numbers against the Astros uh, comes down to their, uh, it's, it's really, I mean, the, the responsibility, at least from from Dustin's, um, and you look at uh, some other numbers, really is more reflective of the 
the pitchers and the pitching timing to the plate and the the amount of time that the catchers have had to throw down to second base on on potential you know uh throwing out opportunities um i mean to go back to sort of the original premise here i, I don't think there's a question that diaz has been the more is the more productive offensive player of the two there's also not a question that that's not why they have Maldonado. I mean, he's not expected to be an offensive force for them. He's there because of the way that he handles the pitching staff. And he has the the trust and the confidence and the feel for the pitching staff, um, especially the starting rotation, several members of the starting rotation. And and that's, I mean, that's the the crux of, of why he draws the majority of the starts and at catcher. And I don't think that's going to change. I mean, I think... Um, you know, he has caught every one of uh, Framer Valdez's starts this year, and I, I'm sure that will extend through the playoffs. He catches Justin Verlander. He's caught the majority of Christian Javier's starts. Uh, I think Diaz, or Diaz has caught a few Javier starts. I, I don't know, you know, if they could potentially pair again in the playoffs, but uh, Maldonado caught Javier yesterday, and, and that worked out really well against Baltimore. Um, so I think I think it's a question and really going into potential postseason series of, of if they are going to try to find a way to get Diaz's bat into the lineup because um, yeah I, I don't see that happening uh, at catcher especially for you know for starts where it's uh, Valdez or Verlander or possibly Javier um, and a DH is a question of whether I mean you know if if Jordan Alvarez is going to play if he's going to DH. I mean, he he fills the DH spot. I think you know whether he plays left field sometimes comes down to sort of what the outfield configuration is like, like how big the outfield is. Um, you know, he he will probably play left field at Minute Maid Park, uh, but depending on what you know sort of road series, road stadium they go into, maybe he's not the top option out in left field. I think Michael Brantley would be an option in left field, but he is dealing with what has been described as soreness. Uh, he did not play at all in the Baltimore series. And I think that leaves a fair amount of question or at least speculation about what his availability is going to be going forward. So um, so one question there is like what the outfield configuration looks like. I mean, if, if you do have, D, uh, if you have Alvarez out in left field, then yeah, that opens up DH possibilities for uh, for Diaz. But, but I, I do think there is some question about how they do get his bat into the lineup for uh, for the playoffs, I think. I mean, I, I think it's there's a really strong argument that that should be a priority, just because he has been one of their most productive offensive players. I think, I think OPS wise, his, his OPS ranks fourth, if I'm not mistaken, among among all Astros players. I think it's fourth behind uh, Altuve, Alvarez, and uh, and Tucker. Um, so, I mean, from that standpoint, yeah, this is a guy who's who's bat you want the lineup. And I mean, you saw even in the finale against the Orioles. Yeah, I don't think he played, or at least he didn't start the first two games of the series, and then he comes in and um, uh, in the game that he did, oh no, I'm sorry, the second game against the Orioles, he didn't uh, play for I think two days before that. He comes in and hits a home run, and uh, and I think he had a double as well. So I mean, he's even with the, sort of this sporadic, more sporadic at bats and and a little bit of layoff. I mean, he comes in and he makes an impact um, hitting, and so. But yeah, I think that's one of the biggest questions actually going into the postseason is how or if they do make it a priority to to have him be in the lineup somewhere um i mean this is something that we've talked about before and i think brought up here before is is would they consider putting him at first base just because that is a, a position where they have not received a lot of offensive production over the course of the season uh jose abreu has had his struggles all year 
would they consider in that sort of stage um, putting somebody that they don't feel as comfortable defensively in Diaz uh, at first base just because of the offensive impact that he could have. And so far, I mean, in the regular season, it, they've showed a real hesitation to do that. So I don't know that, you know, going into a postseason series, that would be a, a change that they would be leaving to make. But th- that's going to be really interesting, just kind of how they handle Diaz, what they do with Diaz going into the playoffs. Yeah, and it was Diaz who started the the ninth inning rally on Wednesday with the double. And looking back at Wednesday's games, I think there's one thing maybe worth revisiting. And this is something that could creep up again, depending on how they use Diaz. And that is the fact that because he was the DH, when they pinch hit for Maldonado, Diaz then went to catcher, which means you forfeit your DH spot. And so the Astros had the pitcher spot due up uh, right after Mauricio Dubon, who wound up getting the the game-winning hit and kind of became moot. But Talk about the situation a little bit, because because Brandon Hyde, who's managing the Orioles, I mean, that was a very interesting spot. You've got a runner at third base, one out. You could walk to Bond and then know that they're going to pinch hit for the for the pitcher. Now, all the Astros had was Gray Kessinger, so maybe you take your chances with him, but then you have to face Altuve. Perhaps Hyde didn't know that Brantley was unavailable, which we found out later after that game. You know, maybe he's thinking, well, if they pinch hit Brantley, that might have changed his thinking, but it's an interesting deal when you when you take when you pinch it for Maldonado. And to your point, if Diaz is playing first, he could at least switch to catcher. Although if Abreu were DHing, it's just the permutations. But I just wonder, like, I can almost envision the Astros getting in a playoff pickle where they pinch it for Maldonado, and then they find themselves in that position at what becomes like the most crucial juncture of their season. Yeah, that is a, is that is a question if Diaz is starting at DH, and, and that was an interesting spot. Um, on Wednesday, I think, you know, in the moment um, with, you know, with Kessinger in the on-deck circle there, yeah, the question is, do you pitch, do you pitch to Dubon? I, I, I don't know. I was, I did not hear Brandon Hyde's uh, post-game press conference about whether he, he explained or whether he said if he knew that, uh, that Brantley was down. It wasn't until after the game that uh, Dusty Baker said that Brantley was essentially unavailable. And he was really the he and Kessinger were the only two position players left um, on the bench. So you know it was Kessinger or nobody. So you know you walk Dubon there, you face Kessinger with first and third, and one out. Uh, but then Jose Altuve is due up next. So so you run in the possibility there of if uh, if you walk Dubon, you retire Kessinger, but he doesn't hit into a double play. Then you still have to face Altuve with a runner on third and two outs. Obviously a fly ball there doesn't score him, but uh, you know. Altuve gets a hit, hits a single, then then game's over anyway. So, um, you know, they decided to roll the dice and 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 face Dubon. Um, Dubon delivered the first pitch single, uh, in a really really big win for them. And yeah, I, I I do think. I mean, to go back to the earlier point about Brantley, um, uh, I think they need to you know figure out. Or I, I don't know what the sort of prognosis is there hasn't really been a clear explanation of what what the issue is other than just general soreness um brantley's been around he's been in the dugout in the clubhouse um but so far i mean they they haven't they didn't again they didn't use him at all in the Orioles series and and the explanation that he wasn't even available for a pinch hit scenario um is sort of uh eye-opening there so maybe you know after the after the off day, he comes back and he is available again. But given that he is coming back from the extended layoff and uh, and the shoulder surgery and and the fact that he had you know step back earlier in the year where he tried to sort of ramp up in the minor league rehab assignment and uh, wasn't w- really able to go, 
you have to keep an eye on that going forward. Again, you know, maybe they, they come in on Friday and he's in the lineup and, and they do feel like they can, you know, get back to playing him every other day or, or at least once a series or at least have him available in pinch hit scenarios. But that was, uh, that was definitely something notable that came out after the game yesterday. Yeah, the rally situation is definitely going to be something to look at over these next 10 days as the playoffs approach. Uh, 10 days left in the season, and it's it's interesting. In Houston, we've really become accustomed to games not really meaning that much in September. The Astros have won uh, the West uh, since 2017 going on, except, uh, except for the pandemic year. Uh, and they've run away with the division, and this year it's it's a tight three-team race, and then you got the Blue Jays. It's, uh, somebody's the odd team out, and it's going to be a fascinating uh 10 days as we go down this stretch run. Mind you, the Astros will uh, finish their uh, home schedule this weekend against the Royals, and then they go to Seattle, and uh, then cl- uh, we'll close the season at Arizona. Matt will be there for all those games. You can certainly uh, follow the Astros within the pages of Houston Chronicle and at HoustonChronicle.com. We thank you for listening to this edition of Dugout Download, and we also acknowledge as always Pirate Audio for their production expertise. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.